Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Be in your house and to worship you. Thank you for your presence here with us. Send your healing touch. Send your grace. Send your mercy. Lord Jesus, we're going to meet around your table and we just want you to know that we love you. And we look forward to hearing from you as we share together this morning. Uh, We open our lives to you. We've come uh, because we want to know. We want to know you and we want to know you're real. So help us to see you as we gather this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been looking in the book of Judges the last number of weeks. And uh, you may have noticed that as we look through the Judges up till this point, every judge has been chosen by God. God has called every judge up until uh, we gather together around judges this morning. Now remember, judges were leaders. They weren't like Judge Judy. They were leaders, okay? Uh, And they were called judges because they also settled disputes, but that wasn't all they did. They led, they they, um, delegated, they administrated, they did all those things uh, that leaders will do. And so this morning, uh, we're going to come into contact with a guy named Abimelech. And Abimelech wants to be the leader. So look with me, if you would, in Judges chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Abimelech, son of Jeroboam, went to his mother's brothers in Shechem and said to them and to all his mother's clan, Ask all the citizens of Shechem, which is better for you, to have all 70 of Jeroboam's sons rule over you or just one man? Remember, I am your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. They gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of baal Bereth, and Abimelech used it to hire reckless adventurers who became his followers. He went to his father's home in Ophrah, and on one stone murdered his 70 brothers, the sons of Jerubbaal. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbaal, escaped by hiding. Then all the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered beside the great tree at the pillar in Shechem to crown Abimelech king. When Jotham was told about this, he climbed up on top of Mount Gerizim and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree answered, Should I give up my oil by which both gods and men are honored to hold sway over the trees? Next the tree said to the fig tree, Come, be our king. But the fig tree replied, Should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, Come, be our king. But the vine answered, Should I give up my wine which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over the trees? Finally, the tree said to the thorn bush, Come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. If not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now, Jotham says, If you have acted honorably and good faith when you made Abimelech king, and if you have been fair to Jerubbaal and his family, And if you have treated him as he deserves, and to think that my father fought for you, risked his life to rescue you from the hand of Midian, 
But today you have revolted against my father's family, murdered his 70 sons on a single stone, and made Abimelech, the son of a slave girl, king over the citizens of Shechem, because he is your brother. If then you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Jeroboam and his family today, may Abimelech be your joy, and may you be his too. But if you have not, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come out from you, citizens in Shechem and Beth Milo, and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, Jotham fled, I'm sorry, escaping to Be'er. And here he lived there because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. May God add God's blessings, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. God, thank you for a chance to worship you and to sit around your table. All the blessings we've received today. For a chance to share together with our needs and concerns, but also to remember the way you've been at work in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we come now before you asking you to speak to us through your word. You've spoken to us in so many ways. This morning we ask that our hearts would be open to hear from your holy word that we might be changed by your love and by your grace. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so we give you all the praise and the glory, and we've come to worship you, to hear your voice. We come, Lord, and open ourselves to you. Please receive us as we offer our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Burning Relationships is the title of this morning's message, and um, I hope, just so you don't miss it, uh, may you have heard the words of Jotham, where he proclaims to Abimelech, if, he says, if this is meant to be, if what you're doing is right, if what you're following is correct, then may you be happy together. However, he says, If this is not honoring, if this is not in good faith, then may you burn each other up. Now that's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? What's it like to have healthy and whole relationships that burn with desire and love for the other? What's it like to have whole relationships? Well, just so you know, I haven't forgotten, um, this afternoon, I know, is the big game. And there are some of you who will be rooting for the Falcons. If you're going to root for the Falcons, raise your hand. Okay. And some of you will be rooting for the Patriots. If you're going to root for the Patriots, raise your hand. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Why are some of you going? (laughs) Okay. Uh, And and it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, uh, there's a passion around that for people for whom they are those their team, uh, for those of you who, um, whose team, like my team, who for years now have never seen what a Super Bowl game would even look like, uh, you may be sitting back and saying, well, whoever wins, wins. But I always like to pick a team anyway, don't you? And of course, this year in my house, um, there's only one team to pick. <laughs> uh, however, as you watch the game, you'll notice that the team is really excited. They're real built up. They're, they're, they're on fire, really, uh, for this game. This is a big game. For, them, for some of them, it will be the biggest game of their lives. And there's a struggle with that 
Because if they get too excited, if they get too wound up, if they get too caught up in the game, they could burn themselves out. And I've seen team after team do it as a little mistake is made. And if one of the players is real fired up, he'll get in the face of another player on his team. And he'll get mad at that player and he'll blame that player. And some of the commentators say, oh, isn't that neat? He's stirring his team up. No! He's deflating his team because he's so wound up. It's as if he's going to burn everybody. And sometimes if he made the mistake, he, he stops and he gets discouraged. He loses confidence and he can't play well the rest of the game. And it looks horrible. And you, it, it, The harder he tries, the worse it gets. Have you ever seen a player like that? And it, it just all kind of implodes. I hope your team doesn't implode today. So the player needs to have enough excitement about the game to to win the game. I mean, that's the purpose of the game, right? But not so much that they become unable to play. You with me? There's that, sometimes we look at it as a fine line. I'm not so sure it's such a fine line, but we sometimes talk about a fine line. You gotta be excited, but you can't be too excited. Yay, Yay. Kenny never worries about the second half. Okay, so I guess what I want you to see this morning is that God has a desire for us to be excited about our relationships. As a matter of fact, God created us to be in relationship with one another. Did you know that? That was his purpose, part of his purpose in creation. Uh, We read, in the image of God created them. And God started out by saying, let us make humans in our plural image. What's he mean by that? That sounds weird, right? Uh, God is one, right? We always talk, God is one. But we as believers in Jesus have realized that God has manifested himself in three different ways. God the Almighty, the Father. God the Son, his physical appearance on earth. And God the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. And God, when God decided to create human beings, sat down and said, let us make human beings. In our image, let us make them. And there's a lot of debate about what that image is, but I want to suggest to you that a piece of that image, if not all of it, but at least a piece of that image has to do with that God is in relationship with God's self and God wants humanity to be in relationship with one another. He created male and female. He created them. So God has a desire that we be in relationship with one another, that are healthy and whole relationships. And when I'm talking about relationships, by the way, I'm not just talking about uh, romantic relationships. As a matter of fact, in our scripture lesson this morning, we discover that it goes beyond romantic relationships because Abimelech's relationship with those that, he's, that we're going to talk about this morning has nothing to do with romance, does it? You see, Abimelech begins by claiming family ship, a family bond with the people of Shechem. We are family, he says. And therefore, you should make me your king. And it's interesting that Abimelech has this view of family because it really makes little sense when you stop and think about it. How much relationship does he really have with the people of Shechem? Is not his relationship, his family relationship, closer with the 70 brothers that he goes and destroys? 
Why is his view of family so narrow? What is it about Abimelech that causes him to, to lower who, whom he can relate to, whom he can connect to, whom he can be in family with? Something is desperately wrong in Abimelech's life. You see, he misunderstands how family really operates and who really is family. You see, we we sometimes have a tendency to burn out because we misunderstood who our family really is. And we focus in on one piece or one part instead of seeing the whole of family. And Peter, uh, Peter wrote in 1 Peter, uh, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. You see, Peter understood that family goes beyond just those who are flesh and blood. In other words, just those who have that flesh and blood connection. In other words, God is saying that the family of God is all believers. We have this humongous Family. Family has to go beyond this little niche that we have made it that says, well, if you live in my house, you're family. And what happens is when we begin to expand that vision, then all of a sudden we begin to get on fire for what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. Let me give you an example. This last week, um, there was a young man and his daughter, and they went to Chick-fil-A. They, they go to Chick-fil-A once a month, you know, the father-daughter thing. And they were sitting at Chick-fil-A. Uh, that's not here. It's another Chick-fil-A. And as they were sitting there, um, the, the daughter usually went to the play area, but she wanted ice cream, so she stayed with her dad, which made her dad feel really good. And they were sitting there having ice cream when a homeless man walked in. His hair was matted. His beard was... Um, was uncut, um, he, he smelled a little, his clothes were not all that they should be. He went up to the counter and he said to the, the guy at the counter, he said, do you have any leftover food? I'm hungry. And the guy at the counter went and got the manager and the manager came over, said, I'm sorry, sir, we don't have any leftover food. But he said, You stay right here because I've got the biggest meal we serve waiting just for you. And he went back and he got the biggest meal that they offer and he put it in front of the man and he said, would you do me a favor? Would you let me pray for you? And so right there, the store was packed. People were waiting. People were upset. Why are you paying attention to this homeless man? And this manager who understood very clearly his calling as a part of a larger family, put his hands on this man, wrapped his arms around him. He stunk, didn't matter. And he began to pray. And he asked God to bless this fellow part of his family. And that this man would come to know the love that Jesus had for him. Isn't that interesting? You would say, well, wait a minute, aren't you there to make money? He would say, no, I'm not here to make money. 
I'm here to have a right relationship with my family. He would say, well, listen, uh, there's a lot of people there. Just give him the food and get him out of there. He's going to make other people uncomfortable. It's not a nice thing for the rest of the group. Everybody else is, is in a hurry. You should be doing your job. And this man understood what his real job was. You see, his real job is to connect with other people of the family with the love of Jesus Christ. The young man with his daughter reached over and made sure she saw what was going on because he wanted her to know what right relationships really look like. He took time. He respected this man. He shared the love of Jesus with this man and made a difference. You see, when we truly see family as beyond just those who live in our house. Now, that doesn't negate those who live in our house, correct? Uh, You may remember when Jesus was approached uh, by his mother and brothers the one time, and he was in the middle of a meeting, and one of the disciples said to him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here. And he said, who are my mother and brothers but those who do the will of the Father? And some people say, ah, man, that's a snub, right? Kicked his family out. Doesn't say that. What it says is he saw his family as greater than those who lived in his house, even though those who lived in his house were important. How do I know that? Because on the cross, what's he do? He looks down at Mary and he makes sure she's taken care of. As being the oldest son, it was his responsibility and he took care of that. Why? Because he loved his mother. She was his family. That hadn't changed. But Jesus saw his family as greater. How do you see your family? How big is it really? You know, there were those among the, the um, Jewish people who were all about themselves. And they, they would walk around in these robes and, and they, they wanted you to see them. They wanted you to think they were important. And, and so Jesus said, look at them and beware of them. They love to walk around in flowing robes and they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and they have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets and they see themselves as someone pretty awesome because they think they have a position in the family of God that's above others. That's exactly what Abimelech wanted. Make me your king, he says. I'll be your family if you'll be my king. How does that work? If you're in relationships simply to have some kind of power or some kind of control or some kind of prestige, you're in it for the wrong reason. And there are people who get in relationships for for different reasons. And sometimes they get into those relationships because they think, well, if I'm in that relationship, then I can be somebody or they're moving their way up the ladder or they're going to show people who they can really be because they're going to show people who they are in their greatness. What's amazing is when Jesus came, King of kings, Lord of lords, he came born in a manger and he came humble, riding on a donkey and they crucified him and that cross became his throne because he realized that if you really want to have right relationships with other people, you come with humility and love and grace. I always stop when when I think about relationships and think about relationships within the church and you know you all are different some of you are more different than others but you're all different and what happens is because we're different when we begin to relate with one another um, sometimes you see my brokenness and I see your brokenness 
And, and what happens when I see your brokenness, um, then sometimes I look at your brokenness and I say, wow, I'm glad my brokenness is not like their brokenness. Now that's not what Christ would do. When Christ looked at others' brokenness, he looked at them with love and compassion and sought for their healing and wholeness. Every once in a while I hear someone say, well, you know, that person at church, well, you know, I'm glad they're at our church, but I just, you know, I just can't deal with them. Wait, 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 wait. what do you mean you can't deal with them? Did not Christ have grace on you? He could have looked at you and me and said, oh, they're a bunch of sinners. I'm going to have nothing to do with them. But instead, he took us into his family and forgave us and began to work in and through us. Our brokenness comes together to be the full body of Christ so that we can encourage and help one another, so that we can heal and build up one another, so that we can be the body of Christ to a world that's lost and broken. Abimelech understood none of that, and because of that, he finds himself getting burned by the people of Shechem, by the way. Where those who treat one another with love and respect find themselves in a whole different place. A place where they can burn with love and grace. And we're out of time. So we're going to talk about this last thing because this is what pulls it all together. Okay? So if Abimelech did it wrong, and he did it wrong for a whole lot of reasons... If Abimelech did it wrong, then what is right? Well, I think it's interesting what Jotham says. Jotham says, have you acted honorably and in good faith? Did you hear that? Have you acted honorably and in good faith? I've been listening to some of the struggles in relationships lately. Um, some personal, some national. Some, and and I, I always come back to this. Do we treat one another honorably? In other words, do we really respect one another? Do you respect the people that you disagree with? Or do you write them off and call them all kinds of names? Do you respect them? You say, well, they have to earn my respect. Do they? Or would you respecting them begin to change them? If you're going to treat someone honorably, you have to be honest and treat them with respect. And sometimes that's hard and sometimes that makes relationships difficult. But in the end, it begins to spark a fire that makes that relationship stronger and filled with grace and mercy. Romans said this, in the book of Romans it says this, give to everyone what you owe them. And we're good at this. We're willing to give our taxes. Although we don't like it, we pay our taxes. And if someone uh, deserves our revenue, then then we give them our revenue. Uh, But it's the next one that, that we have a hard time. If we owe them respect, then we respect them. And if we owe them honor, do we honor them? You see, if we want relationships that don't burn us, but that allow us to burn with hope and with joy and with love, they need to be based in respect for one another. And that comes, doesn't it, from the Lord Jesus who taught us to respect one another, to care for... Jesus cared for those that other people 
threw away. He respected the woman caught in adultery. Everyone else was making fun of her, pointing fingers at her, calling her names, saying what a bad sinner she was. And Jesus looked at her with love and compassion and respected her as a human being. Maybe for the first time in her life. And it changed her life. What would happen if we treated one another honorably? And what if we treated each other uh, with great faith? With great faith. Not just little faith, but great faith. What, what would it be like if we treated each other with the faith that Christ has given us? In other words, reaching out with His love. Reaching out with His grace. Like He reached out to us. What would happen if the people of God caught fire for the love of God for everybody else? We sat around the table, and I love sitting around the table, and I, I love being with Jesus around the table, and I'm always reminded, and, and it's always a time when I'm reminded that He loves me so incredibly much, the ugly sinner that I am. Um, he is changing me, and I'm not quite as ugly a sinner as I was before, but I'm still not quite there. But he still comes and meets me at the table, and he, he forgives me, and he loves me. I love meeting Jesus at the table. But there's a reason why we give everybody here a piece of bread. And it's not just so you can individually meet with God. It's so that we together can meet with God. Because we really show the world who we are when we love each other and when we love them. The scripture says they'll know we are Christians by our good deeds, no. By the way we look, no. By the number of people we get at worship, no. Scripture says they'll know we are Christians by our love. Does the love that you share set you on fire to serve Jesus? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us that goes beyond all our understanding. And Lord Jesus, in the midst of the struggles of our world where, where love has been confused with a whole lot of other things, like with power and authority, um, with uh, Desires to fill what we want. Teach us once again to love. That self-giving love. That offers respect to others. That places our faith firmly in you. As you lead us. To love. And so Lord Jesus may your love. Be at work in and through us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.